Pray with me, church. When life hurts, you are still a good father. When life doesn't make sense, you are still a good father. When we experience various trials and tests and inconveniences, you are still a good father. When the doctor's report comes back and it's not what we were anticipating, you are still a good father. You do not change. You are immutable. And your son is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So although we change and we grow and even age, you remain the same from age to age. You are dependable. You are faithful. You are worthy, you are present, and you are God. And beside you, there is no other. And as our ancestors used to say, you can do everything but fail. Lord, increase our faith. May we trust you. May we look to the hills from whence come our help. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, we need help. Jesus, thank you that you did not leave us without help. You said you would send another helper. You would send another comforter. And he would not only be with us, he would be in us. And he is the spirit of the living God, the hope of glory. Father, we say thank you for having us covered, coming and going. We thank you that earth knows no sorrow, that heaven cannot heal. We thank you, Lord, that the suffering of this present age is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us. Father, we're living in this place, but we're not living for this place. For our citizenship is from above. We're looking forward to a new kingdom, a new city, a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth. But until then, we will stand. We will say the Lord be magnified in our bodies, whether by life or by death. We will call up the faith of the Hebrew boys who says that the God we serve is able to deliver. But if he does not, we will not bow to fear. We will not bow to circumstance. We are not only saved by faith, but God help us to live by faith. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would quicken each and every one of us with the word of God. That the word would be the vitamin supplement that we need today. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, feed us the word today. And Lord, as I am the chef this morning, the cook I've been in the, the, the kitchen, the lab this week. I thank you, Lord, that it is not dependent upon my ability to share the Bible today. 
is dependent upon the authority of the Bible itself, that it will not return void. So, Lord, we send forth the seed of the word. May it find hearts that are fertile and ready to not only hear, but do what thus saith the Lord. Father, for those who are watching at home or even in this building today, and if they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in the pardon of their sin, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that today, Lord, you would move on the loss, and the loss would say, what must I do to be saved? And we will tell them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Thank you, God, that you save sinners. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through you the world may be saved. Thank you, Lord, that we are believers. We are witnesses. We can declare that we once were lost, but thank God we are found. Thank you that we can huddle today in your house. Lord, fill us up so that when we break huddle and go into the world, the world may see our light, taste our salt, and realize there's something different about us because of a love that is changing us every day. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, asking, Lord, that you would do something awesome through this word. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Thank God for our Levites, our musicians, our singers. Thank God for the work that they put into what they do, the seriousness attached to their craft. Thank God for them. If you have your Bibles, would you turn over to John chapter 6? We also thank God for Dr. Joe Ozine. Um, the Bible lets us know that the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So all truth belongs to God, even medical truth and scientific truth, yet alone spiritual truth, historical truth. So thank you, Dr. Ozine, man, for encouraging us. John chapter 6, I'll begin reading at verse 60. The Bible reads, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one 
of the 12. Well, with your prayers, and I know you're praying with me and for me, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, let's talk today on the subject of check yourself before you what? Wreck your, y'all going to help me preach today. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. There are a lot of things that trend today on social media. Some bad, some good. There was the ice water challenge that went on for quite some time. Then on social media, we learned about the crate challenge. And then you heard terminology all through social media about being woke or even being a social justice warrior. There are many things that trend on social media, some things bad, some things good. But in my humble opinion, everything that trends on social media isn't for a believer to participate in. Uh, Amen lights. Amen, walls. Everything that trends isn't for a believer to participate in. There was a time YOLO was trending. Y-O-L-O, which stands for you only live once. And people were going around saying YOLO. In other words, live uh, with a reckless abandon because you only live once. Well, for Christians, we know that's not true. Because if you are born once, you will die twice. But for Christians, if you are born twice, you will only die once. Uh, Check with your neighbor on the way home and ask them what the pastor mean by that. Uh, 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 Then there was another one that said, we're friends with benefits. I don't need to go into that, but I don't believe that that is something for a believer to participate in. And then there was this trend called speak your truth. Uh Uh-huh. Speak your truth. Speak your truth. And we understand what they're saying. You got to say what's on your heart. You got to share your experience, but we also need to know that sometimes your truth contradicts God's truth. And the Bible says when that happens, let God be true and every man a liar. Because just because it's your truth doesn't mean that it aligns with the truth. And then on social media, In this political season, we've heard, let's go, Brandon. And so those are things that believers should not participate in as far as a derogatory term against President Joe Biden, let's go, Brandon. Well, not only have we heard these things and more on social media, some bad, some good. Another trend that is out here today on social media that seems to be capturing and captivating many Christians is this thing called deconstructing. Deconstructing. Because it's fashionable now for Christians to deconstruct. You see, some people are so disillusioned with Christianity, and some are so disappointed with Christians that they are now deconstructing. Deconstructing is the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting certain aspects of the Christian faith. But before you throw a shoe at me, let me say this. To some degree, we have all deconstructed in our faith. 
The Bible says that we are to test the spirits and see if they are of God. Some of us are deconstructing from legalism, and rightfully so. We grew up in a church where we were taught that God loves us to the degree that we obey him. That God loves us to the degree that we are good for him. And we come up with all these rules and all these laws that seem to indicate what holiness is or what a good Christian does. And we've come up under so much guilt and condemnation. We don't know anything about freedom. We're supposed to be sons of God, but we live like slaves. And so we are rightfully deconstructing many of the things that we grew up with. Many of us are deconstructing white Jesus in our faith because we grew up with white Jesus and we're realizing that Jesus was not white so we are deconstructing this western influence on the Christian faith that came out of the east so we're deconstructing we're deconstructing when people center America and they turn uh, uh, America into some kind of thing that's greater than Israel and Jerusalem itself, they've centered or nationalistic kinds of views. And so we're deconstructing things all the time. But as we deconstruct, be sure to reconstruct. Help me out. As you tear down certain things, be sure to build up in the most holy faith, the Bible says. The Bible says in Jude verse 3 that we are to contend for the faith that was once for all passed down. So in the first century, the faith was good enough. But we spent a lot of time deconstructing things that people have added to the faith. So we're stripping it back. But as we deconstruct, we must be sure to reconstruct. Because Paul told the church at Corinth in chapter 3 verses 10 through 11, he says, no other foundation can be laid except that which is Jesus Christ. So be careful how you build on top of that foundation. I know no other foundation on which to build or to construct my life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, a wise man built his house on the rock, whereas a foolish man built his house on the sand. The wind, the rain, the storms beat against both houses. One house fell, the other house stood. The house that fell was built on sand. The house that stood was built on the rock. Be careful how you reconstruct. There is no reconstruction without building on Jesus. And I'm speaking to believers here. Don't you follow the fad. Because some fads can cause you to not only walk away from church, they can even lead many of us to walk away from Jesus. Why am I saying that? Because if you don't reconstruct, as you deconstruct, you will go from deconstructing the faith to departing from the faith. Now, there's never a time to depart from the faith, but you really don't want to do it now. The Bible says over in 1 Timothy chapter 4 that the Spirit clearly says that in the latter day, when did the latter day begin? On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came on the last day. And every day we get closer to Jesus, we're in the last of the last days. The Bible says that many will depart from the faith, believing doctrines taught by demons and deceiving spirits. So don't you be in that number that departs from the faith because your deconstructing led you to departing from the faith. A man who used to attend our church 
And a man who was on his way to being ordained in the ministry recently said to me when I made the comment that as you deconstruct, be sure to reconstruct, he said to me on social media, as someone who was very much in love with Jesus, I followed him and it led me out of the church. I walked away without regret or worry. I was completely at peace with that decision. Chris, I respect you and agree with you on many points still. I spent enough time with you to know that your heart is in the right place and you want people to be in good shape for eternity. But one thing I would caution against is the mistake so many pastors have made lately in telling people how to deconstruct. Well, he knows me to some degree, but he doesn't know me well enough. I'm not going to tell you how to deconstruct. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell you how to reconstruct. Because the faith cannot be boiled down to some writings by man or some formulas or methodology or some recipe for righteousness. Uh, all I can do is present Jesus to you and trust that he, through the Holy Spirit, is going to give you the construction that you need in your life. I won't tell you how to deconstruct. I won't tell you how to reconstruct. I'll just be one who will try to encourage you to get with Jesus because he's the master builder. So please hear me. Please hear me. Our quest for the truth should always begin with Jesus. It should always include Jesus. And it should conclude with Jesus. If you're looking for the truth. <laughs> well, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, that the truth is in Jesus. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. So if you're looking for truth, you got to find it in Jesus. If you're looking for truth, you got to find it in the words of Jesus. Remember when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, as he was on his way to Calvary's cross, and Pilate thought he had power over Jesus in that moment. And Jesus said, you would have no power if it weren't given to you from above. This was ordained by God. No one is taking my life. I am laying my life down, and once I have laid it down, three days later, I will take it back up again. Jesus said to Pilate, Knowing again the Greek philosophy of the time, Jesus said that those who trust him are committed to the truth. That's what Jesus said, that those who hear him are able to hear the truth. To which Pilate, looking at Jesus, who was the way, the truth, and the life, Pilate looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? Jesus says, if you are the truth, you will hear me. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? Please do not be like Pilate who looked directly into the face of truth, but still rejected truth because of politics. Because he was in a quandary that day. And he chose to bow to the emperor rather than bow to the king of kings. He kept saying, I find no fault in this man. But he kept yielding to the fault line that's found in politics. I just want to know, what is your reason 
to reject Jesus? What is your reason to turn from the truth? Well, when it comes to Jesus, each of us will have to decide if we will walk with him or if we will walk away from him. We've got to deal with Jesus. For just as Jesus divides our calendar from B.C. before Christ and after Christ, the common era, Jesus stands in the center of our calendar and of our culture. We have to deal with him as we think about, are we going to follow him or are we not going to follow him? Are we going to walk with him or are we going to walk away from him? And we see this happening in John chapter 6. The first thing I want to point out to you is that Jesus speaks to many of his disciples. Many of his disciples. In John chapter 6, he had just fed the multitudes with two fish and five loaves of bread. There were 5,000 men there, not counting women and children. So it could have been anywhere from 10 to 20,000 people there by the Sea of Galilee who were hungry that the master fed that day. Well, the Bible says because these people wanted to come and take Jesus by force and make him their king, the Bible says he departed from them. He sent the disciples out first, and then in the middle of the night during a storm, he came to the disciples walking on the water. They let him in the boat, and they got to the other side immediately. The people get up in the morning. Jesus is not there. They see that the boats are gone, and and they start looking for Jesus. So they get in boats, and they cross the Sea of Galilee. They come to the other side, and they say, Master, when did you get here? And Jesus said, y'all are not seeking me because you want me. Y'all are seeking me because you want breakfast. So he called out the motive of their heart, and that then entered into a conversation about bread. And so Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And so they were like, well, can you do what Moses did and feed us with bread from heaven every day? And Jesus says, well, when Moses and his folk ate that bread in the wilderness, they died. But those who eat the bread that came down from heaven, the bread of life, they will live forever. And then they were hung up on that. And Jesus says, oh, y'all hung up on that. Well, if you want to live, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. They had some problems with what he was saying. So we come to verse 60 as he's speaking to the multitudes who came across the sea to come be with Jesus. And the Bible says, therefore, therefore, I just gave you some of the context Many of his disciples, when they heard this, remember, that he's the living bread, that he's the bread that came down from heaven, meaning that he is equal with God. And that's why they started saying, wait a minute, we know his mama, we know his brothers, we know where he lives. How can he say he came down from heaven? So the Bible says that when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. In other words, we can't swallow this. The word hard can be translated also as dry. The the, the teacher just taught. He didn't hoop. He didn't give us no gravy with the man. He just taught about the bread. This stuff is dry. We can't understand it. Really means we can't 
accept it. We know what he's saying. And we cannot accept what he's saying because he's claiming to be the bread of life. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. Watch this now, the word disciples, Greek word mathetes. It means a pupil, learner, or student. And in that day, rabbis or teachers had disciples. And so when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? The word offend there, again, and I'm, I'm saying Greek for a purpose. It's the Greek word sc- scandalize, where we get scandal from. Uh, it, it means to trip over, to stumble over something. It's scandalous to them what he just said. It's scandalous that you claim to be from heaven, that you claim to be the bread of life, that people who eat you will live forever. That's scandalous. They were tripping, literally, on what Jesus was saying. He said, does this trip you out? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? I just told you I came down from heaven. You you tripping off that? (laughs) You're going to really trip if you see me ascend to where I was before when I was with the Father in eternity past. I didn't begin in Bethlehem. I have always been. You will trip if you see me ascend to where I was before. It is the Spirit, verse 63, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. What's the flesh? Y'all trying to figure this out in your mind. You're trying to make it make sense in your mind. The flesh counts for nothing. These words I'm speaking to you are spiritual, which means they can only be spiritually discerned. He goes on to say, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Wait a minute. There are some disciples who do not believe, apparently. Because just as every Christian is not a true Christian, apparently every disciple of Jesus is not a real disciple of Jesus. Just because you come to church, that doesn't mean you know the head of the church, Jesus For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but we can fool God none of the time. He sees straight to the heart. Verse 65, and he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, John 666, do you see it? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Jesus is the only preacher I know who makes his congregation smaller on purpose. When preachers are looking for the crowds, Jesus is looking for commitment. And they walked away. The Bible says many of his disciples, many. Now, when you think about many, it it, it takes my mind to Matthew chapter 7. When Jesus is talking about there are two roads, one road that leads to destruction, one road that leads to heaven. The road that leads to destruction is wide. The road that leads to heaven is narrow. Jesus said the road that leads to destruction is not only wide, but he said many are on that road. 
but the road that leads to heaven is narrow, and few are on that road. So therefore, there are more people who will populate hell than there will be populating heaven. Just let that sit and sink for a minute. More people will be in hell than there will be in heaven. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and, Jesus, and prophesy in your name? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So many are going to say that. Many claim to be Christian in this so-called Christian nation. Many. But truth be told, the Lord only rolls with a remnant, a small group of people. When he gives the parable of the seed and the sower, he explains four different kinds of soil, the wayside, the stony, stony ground, the thorny ground, and the good soil. Only one of the four soils produce fruit. Hmm. Could it be that one out of every four professing Christians are truly Christian? That 25%, a small number, trust the Lord for real. But many in John chapter 6 walked away from him. Many of his disciples, the word disciples is found three times in these verses. But again, every disciple apparently is not really a disciple. The word disciple has become a homonym. You know what a homonym is. A homonym is a word that when you have two words, they sound alike. They might even be spelled alike, but they're completely different. They sound alike. They might be spelled alike, but they're completely different. For instance, if I say bat and bat, Sound alike, they're spelled alike, but two different meanings. There's a baseball bat, and there is a bat in a cave. If I say to you, park and park, they sound alike, they're spelled alike, but there is park when you go to a park, and then there is park when you park your car. Oh, let's see here. Another, another homonym would be uh, uh, trunk and trunk. If I say trunk, uh, uh, look at that elephant's trunk. Or if I say grab the trunk out of the closet, the sentence or the context tells you what words you're working with. If you get a word picture, you will see, okay, what a bat is as far as a baseball bat and a bat is as far as a, a little animal in a cave. Uh, so, so, so another homonym is disciple. They are spelled the same, they sound the same, but they're not always the same. Because there are fake disciples and there are real disciples. They're so close in how they look. When Jesus gave a parable about the wheat and the tare, as far as an agrarian kind of illustration for his people, the wheat have the kernel of a seed inside. But the tear do not. So looking at them through, uh, just, just looking at them, observation, you can't tell them apart until you open them up to find out if a seed is there or not. And Jesus said, don't you try to separate the wheat from the tear. That's my job. I'll separate them when I come because I know who's real and I know who's not. And this is why all of us need to be in a place, man, let me check myself so that I don't wreck myself. 
I'm not playing with eternity. Jesus speaks to many of his disciples, and many of them walk away from him because they could not swallow that is except his teaching about who he was. So they walk away. And now we see the second point. Jesus speaks to 12 of his disciples. He says to them in verse 67, do you also want to go away? So all the, the multitude goes away. He turns and says to his 12, the ones he's intentionally and personally grooming, do you want to leave and go with them as well? I got to tell y'all, that's gangster. That's some gangster stuff right there. Because Jesus is saying, look, I don't need y'all to do what God has called me to do in redeeming the world. I'm equipping y'all, I'm training y'all, I'm discipling y'all, I'm tutoring y'all, but I don't need y'all to do what God's called me to do. I'm so focused on what God has called me to do. It's not about who's rolling with me or who's rolling against me when I'm doing what God has called me to do. So if y'all want to go, y'all are free to go because I won't hold you against your will. I'm so good, I'm so powerful that I make disciples not robots not puppets. I'm not holding you here against your will. If you want to go with the crowd, go ahead. Because I know there are some other folk who just want me for me. So if you want to go, go ahead. And what this says to me, this messed up my theology this week, this means that you may be chosen, but you still have a choice. Because you know how, you know, reformed folk, Calvinists, we are chosen, we are elect, and all. Okay, it's in the Bible. But there's some other stuff in the Bible, too, that speaks of the will of man. These two truths run parallel without contradicting each other. Some folk lean too far on that election side. Some folks lean too far on the free will side. But if we can just try to walk the middle and, and have balance in these doctrines... Jesus said to the disciples later in the book of John, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. No one is in this room because you chose God. You were in this room because God chose you. You were dead. I was dead in my trespasses and in my sin. God came to me. God came to us and revealed his love to us. No one seeks after God. No one understands God which is why we're saved by grace, through faith, apart from ourselves. It's a gift from God. We're chosen, but I've seen some folk get too comfortable in being chosen to the point where it doesn't impact how they live their lives because they're falling back on eternal security. They're falling back on the perseverance of the saints, but they're living their life in a way that is not consistent with someone who names the name of Jesus. I'm here to say to you that, uh, yeah, you, you may be chosen, but you still have a choice. Do you want to endure to the end? Do you want to hold on to your faith? These guys had a choice to make, and Jesus challenged them. If you want to leave, y'all can go too. But Simon Peter, I love this brother. He answered him, Lord. To whom shall we go? Stop right there, somebody. They just walked away, and Peter's like, who y'all going to? Who, who, who going to 
give you peace. That's the passage you understand. Who, who y'all going to? Who's going to give you hope in a hopeless world? Who are y'all going to? Are y'all going back to dead, cold religion? Who or what are you going to? Because if you don't worship Jesus, you're going to worship something or somebody. And I just want to know who or what is it because who or whatever it is pales in comparison to him. What you going to? Your job? What you going to? Your finances? What you going to? Yourself? Oh, if you trust in yourself, you really a fool. Who you going to? What professor you going to? What school of higher learning are you going to? That questions the Bible. But I need to let you know that the Bible was here before that school got started and those professors started teaching and trying to tear down the Bible and the Bible will be here when those folks are put in the ground because the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the Lord endures for all generations. Questioning the Bible. When you question the Bible, you just prove that the Bible is true because the Bible says that there will be people who will question it. Professing to be wise, they become fools. Romans chapter 1. So who are you going to? Who can hold you? Who can save you? Who can deliver you? Like Jesus. Peter said, look look here now, look here now. Uh, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I, I can't get eternal life nowhere else except in you. Then he says in verse 69, also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, he said, um, I'm just the spokesman for this group right here. We, uh, we, we done talked about you. We done made a decision about you. And although the multitudes are walking away from you, we have determined that can't nobody do us like you. And we're not going anywhere except to you. So be careful who you have speak for you. Uh, I hope you're in a group that, that believes who Jesus is. And, and whoever that person that speaks for you, <clears throat> your pastor, I hope that you agree with him or her when she stands up or when he stands up to proclaim that we believe and we know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's that holy huddle. That's that group, that minority right there that the world is not a part of. I love it. Peter said, we know. We know. And he says, we have come to believe and know. Believe. That's have faith. Know here goes beyond intellectual knowledge. This word know speaks of intimacy or firsthand knowledge gained through experience. So he's saying we have faith because we've come to know you for ourselves. In other words, their faith just didn't stay in their head, but it moved down into their heart. Because the Lord had touched them in such a short amount of time. And they said, we know you are the Christ. Speaking of the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. My God. So my question is, why didn't the 12 disciples walk away like the others? They knew him personally. Look at verse 35 of chapter 6. This isn't on the screen, but it's in the book. And Jesus said to them, speaking to the crowds, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So if you are a true disciple of his, 
You are not going to anyone or anything to satisfy the cravings of your soul. You're not going to anyone or anything to try to to satisfy your hunger for the meaning and purpose of life because you found him in Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get full up on some empty calories from time to time. But can't nobody satisfy like Jesus. That's why they didn't walk away. Because for the disciples, Jesus was like Snickers. He truly satisfies. He's also like Coca-Cola. He's the real thing. He's also like Gillette, the best a man can get. He's also like Maxwell House. Oh, my, he's good to the last drop. And he's like Folgers. He's the best part of waking up. They're not going anywhere because they met somebody that they've never met before who satisfies. I just want to know, is there a disciple in the house, a believer in the house, that you're not hungry for another Messiah? You're not thirsty for another God. You know the true Messiah. You know the true God. And your soul is satisfied. I hope there's a believer in the house. Oh, my. If not, I'll preach it by myself. I can't go nowhere else. Who's going to do me like you? So we saw that Jesus speaks to many of his disciples. Then we saw Jesus speaks to 12 of his disciples. Now, finally, Jesus speaks about one of his disciples. Verse 70, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? There it is. But you still have a choice because I'm not going to make you stay with me against your will. Do you want to be with me or do you not? Did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Now, the twelve had no idea what the Lord was talking about right here. They surely had no idea who he was talking about. When John writes verse 71, this is after the fact. When he he writes verse 71, he's saying, we just want to let y'all know right here, right now, it's Judas. It ain't me. It ain't uh, uh, the other brothers, Peter. No, 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 no. It's Judas. So, so he, he lets you know right here, right now, who it is. But until he wrote this, they didn't know who it was. Because Judas looked just like them. He sounded like them. He did the things they did. Somebody was his partner when they went out two by two. He saw the master do miracles. Judas was one of the twelve. So even though his disciples did not fully understand what he was saying in this moment, they decided to trust him. And I just want to put a pin in right here. If you have a God that you're trying to figure out and you are successful in figuring him out, you don't have God, you have yourself. Because the true and living God cannot be figured out by a man or by a woman. He's too inexhaustible for that. But if you've got to just figure God out, you can have that kind of religion or that kind of science. No, 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 no. I want to worship a God, and I do worship a God that I can't fully figure out. I'm looking through a glass dimly. One day I'm going to be known as I am trying to know, Paul says. So these guys didn't understand everything, but they said, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding of deconstructing. I'm going to trust him because he's too wise to ever do wrong. And these things 
that Jesus is speaking that they don't understand right now. They would understand later. They would understand after they had the Last Supper and after the resurrection would this kind of stuff start making sense. You see, after uh, they had the Last Supper, because at the Last Supper, he said, this is my body. Eat. This is my blood. Drink. So the stuff he was talking about in John chapter 6 was not a literal eating my flesh and drinking my blood kind of cannibalism that the Jews were thinking from a fleshly perspective. No, he's speaking spiritual words, and those things would materialize at the Last Supper and every first Sunday here at Strong Tower when we have communion. It's not the literal body and blood of Jesus. It is a symbol of the body and blood of Jesus. What's the point? We are consuming Christ by faith. We are being reminded of his sacrifice by faith. So we're eating his flesh and drinking his blood. They wouldn't get this until the Last Supper. And those folks, had they not walked away, they would have gotten it too. And then after the resurrection, the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke that when Jesus appeared to them, he opened up the scriptures and began to show them things that they had always read but had never known as pertains to how it relates to the Messiah. He opened up the scriptures to them. And so some of us are at a place right here, right now. I don't understand certain things about the Christianity, so I'm walking away. And I just want to say to you, you need to keep on going on because God's word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. He can't show you everything right now because you can't understand it or, uh, 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 or really grasp it. He's got to show it to you by and by, especially when we get to heaven. So don't you dare say, if I can't understand God, I'm not going to walk with God. You cannot bring God down to your level where you can figure him out. That's why we're saved by faith and not by intellectualism. And I got to thank God for that because I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Saved by faith. But my smarts is developing as I walk with him. So at the Last Supper, Jesus says, uh, I told y'all in John chapter 6, I got a devil up in here. And one of y'all is going to betray me. The Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark, they're still dumbfounded by this statement. And they start saying to Jesus, each one of them, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? They're checking themselves. Lord, is it me? Judas has the audacity to say to Jesus, Lord, is it me? Jesus said, it is as you have said. He gets up. He goes out. And, and the disciples don't think anything of it because he always goes out. He's a dude with the money box. They don't think nothing of it. But the Bible says when he dipped that sop, the devil entered him. The Bible says when he walked outside, it was night. That was John's way of saying Here's a dark, evil season. I believe all the way up till the time where Jesus dipped that sop, Judas had a chance to repent. He had a choice. But he stayed on with his path. Why? Because the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. He made his choice to walk away from the bread of life just like the people in John chapter 6. So 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, as I close. The 
Bible says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Is he in you? Are you in him? Are you for real? It's always good to test yourself, to check yourself. And, and when Paul says examine yourself and test yourself, he doesn't give us an actual standardized test. But if you look through the scriptures, there are things that earmark a true believer. I'll read a couple of thoughts to you, but please don't take this as the gospel truth. These are just examples that I see from Scripture. As we test ourselves, we should ask, do you believe and know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? As I test myself, do you believe the Bible is the Word of God and it can be trusted? Because if the Bible cannot be trusted in every place, it cannot be trusted in any place. Either all of it's true or none of it's true. Either every word or none of the words. And keep in mind, people can use this Bible to make it say what they want it to say. The first recorded words of Satan were, did God really say? He's always questioning the validity of the word of God. And that's where it starts for a lot of disciples who are deconstructing. I don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Okay. All right. Do you love God and do you love people? Just check yourself, including your enemies. Do you practice forgiving others the way you've been forgiven? Check yourself. Do you live a life of personal holiness? Do you obey God, especially with your money? Do you love to worship God in spirit and in truth? Do you pray and do you see your prayers get answered? Oh, just check yourself. Do you have the indwelling witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart? Do you testify to others about Jesus Christ? Do you experience some kind of persecution for being a follower of Christ? And do you love Jesus more than anything? Or anyone. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Well, from John chapter 6, we saw that a majority of people who once walked with Jesus as disciples, they decided to walk away from him. And watch this, and Jesus didn't chase them. He didn't go after them. So if you're going to walk away from him, you better be clear about what you're doing. Because if you walk away from him, 1 John chapter 2 says, that's only proof that you were never truly a part of him to begin with. Because if you go away and don't come back, you were never with him. You were a bastard and not a true child. We also saw from John chapter 6 that a minority of people, they chose to keep walking with him even though they didn't understand everything he was saying at the moment. Because none of us fully understand everything about God. But by faith, I trust his heart when I don't understand his mind. 
I trust his heart when I don't understand his ways. I'm going to trust him because where else can I go? For those of us who are on that path, let us do more than just walk with Jesus. Let us fall deeper and deeper in love with the one who is the lover of our souls. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the one who's teetering today. The philosophies of the world have had more impact on them than the truth of Scripture. But as we see here, Lord, there's nothing new under the sun. There have always been people who walked away from you when you don't do what they think you ought to do and when you don't be what they think you ought to be. How dare them? How dare this generation? I thank you, Lord, that we're here because you chose us. I thank you, Lord, that we're here because your father drew us to you. And we love you. And we're satisfied. We have tasted and seen that you are not only Lord, but you are good. I pray again for those who are struggling, who are asking questions, whose questions can't be figured out right now, where they think the faith is not real. And they've gone now from questioning the Bible to questioning whether or not Jesus really walked the earth and whether or not Jesus really died and whether or not he really rose again from the grave. And their much learning is driving them mad. I pray, Lord, you deliver them in Jesus' name and bring them back to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us. You gave your life for us, and now you want to live your life through us by faith. Thank you for the simplicity that's in Christ. Lord, help us to fall deeper and deeper in love with you simply because you first loved us. May the response and the heart cry that's in our being be, Lord, we love you more than anything or anybody solidify us strengthen us in jesus name in these last days in jesus name we will not be of the kind that fall away in jesus name we will stand in jesus name we will love you amen